Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your hosts are Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends and family with the resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here are your hosts, Sharon and Becky. Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. We are so excited about our program today. My name is Becky Olson. I'm a three-time, 20-year breast cancer survivor. And hi, I'm Sharon Hennepin. I'm a 22-year breast cancer survivor, and we are thrilled that you could join us. Um, We have a great program lined up for you today. Our guest is a two-time cancer survivor, world-class comedian, and has appeared on hundreds of TV shows, several films, and even did a stint in an African prison. Today's show is about turning life's challenges into blessings. You know, we all survive something, and it's not the thing we survive that defines us. It's how we survive that defines who we are. And our guest today is no stranger to that concept. Please welcome Mac Dryden. Hi, Mac. Hi, Sharon. Hi, Becky. Hi, Hi, everybody. Well, we're so excited to have you on our show today. This is going to be really fun. Um, Can I just take a second and tell people how Mac and I met? was kind of an interesting little situation. Um, I was I had a referral for a speaking event, and Mac was last year's speaker, so I reached out to him to find out a little bit about that particular organization, and we just started connecting, and I realized I've got a new friend here. So we're excited. I invited him on the show after I heard his story, and oh my gosh, you guys are in for a treat today. So well, thank, thank you again. You. Well, so Mac, yeah, tell us about you. Entirely. Yeah, tell us about your your story. Maybe start with your cancer experience. What kind of cancer did you have? Well, way back when, uh, I, this has been over 30 years, uh, 25 years ago, I, got, I went to the doctor and I had a lump in my body where it didn't belong, and I got the bad news, and he said, I said, what are we going to do about it? He said, you're going to go into surgery going to lose a testicle, you're going to undergo 17 weeks of radiation treatments, and I said, wait a minute, go back to that first part, lose what, let's not rush into this here, Doc, (laughs) Uh, because as you well know, uh, you know, you just get more personally attached to some organs than others, and um, I just didn't want to dive into this right away, I, uh, you know, I I don't even know what my spleen feels like, you know, when I'm just, just... uh, you just get a personal attachment to some. Um, <laughs> yes. And, we're, we're breast cancer survivors. We get that. Yeah, we <laughs> yeah, totally <absolutely>. do. <laughs> uh, so then you and, had a second uh, battle, right? Oh, yeah. But uh, the, uh, uh, the the first one, I mean, I decided to make lemonade out of this lemon that I got here and uh, and decided that I would get as many laughs out of this situation as I possibly could because even back then, the healing power of laughter was all over the papers and everything, uh, Norman Cousins and all that, and I figured I'd be the stupidest comedian in the world if I didn't get as many laughs out of this as possible. I didn't tell anybody, by the way. I was out in Los Angeles. My family was all back in Mississippi, and I thought, you know, what a great present to call up mom. Well, I've got cancer, mom. I know you can't come out here and cook for everybody within 10 miles like you did in Mississippi, but uh, so I just kept <laughs> it to myself. 
And uh, I don't know where you're from, but where I'm from, somebody gets sick and it's casserole time. Everybody goes up. <laughs> yes, yes. You're getting uh, Well, that would just be impractical in a city of 10 million. You know, mom would be running ragged. So I just didn't want to tell anybody. And uh, I kept it totally to myself. Didn't tell my then five-year-old daughter that I was raising by myself at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I oh. had a practice wife, you see. <laughs> And um, anyway, <laughs> practice wife. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, but uh, but I got laughs all the way through this ordeal because uh, Canadians get their endorphins and good chemicals going, making other people laugh. The day before the operation, my doctor asked me if I wanted him to implant a plastic prosthesis so I would look the same. I said, mm-hmm. "Why, Doc? Don't you think my friends will recognize me?" <laughs> not gonna put, I won't be putting a bunch of photos up on Facebook, Doc, I can tell you. And even though this was pre-Facebook, I wasn't going to be taking a bunch of before and after pictures. Or anything. No. I, uh, so, uh, you know, I, I don't know about you and when you were undergoing yours, but I found that just keeping a sense of humor, no matter what the situation, no matter yeah. how horrendous it is, it just it can only help. Uh, it absolutely it, helps. Yeah, for we sure. We had a we did a whole episode on humor and healing and the importance of it. And so, if anybody's listening, you can go back and listen to that show in our archives. But yeah, Mac, oh. honestly, humor is so important, and the fact that you can la- laugh at yourself and and be able to just kind of bring that joy into your own life and then share it with others is huge. It's huge, it and really and is. we and yeah. we get that. We totally get that. So tell us about your second cancer experience, because that was an interesting one, too. I, uh, well, only about, this has only been about seven or eight years ago. I can never remember. Uh, but uh, I should know that. A big life-changing thing. I should know the date, shouldn't I? But uh, it was about seven years ago, and I just was at the optometrist for getting a, uh, a new uh, prescription for my reading glasses. And he looked in my eye and gave one of those, you know, hmm, concerned sighs, you know. And he uh, sent me off to a specialist. And the specialist, would you believe, did the same thing, you know, that kind of that low whistle you don't want to hear from your mechanic under your car. <laughs> like, how long have you, yeah. you, know? yeah. you been driving it like this, you know? And uh, so he sent me to a very special specialist who specialized in incredibly special things. And uh, he said, Mr. Dryden, I don't know how to tell you this, but you're one of only six out of a million people in North America every year to get a malignant melanoma on the back of your eyeball. So, Oh, my oh, goodness. Wow. Of course, I said, lucky me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you hardly ever win anything. I'm just, I'm special. But um, he said, you are actually pretty lucky because only 10 years ago, the only thing we knew how to do was to pop the eyeball out. And believe me, enough people with glass eyes have approached me after my programs when I talk about this. Um, I totally believe it. It's amazing. But uh, I lucked out. He said, we've got, um, we've uh, developed this way to sew a radioactive button to the back of your eyeball and nuke it from behind, which was thrilling, of course, to know that they were going to sew something on my eyeball. Hot diggy. Wow. Uh, right. But, but wow. did, you, 
Did that affect your sight? Uh, yeah, unfortunately, it, uh, it it did affect my sight uh, considerably because the radiation, what it does is uh, it, it, it messes with the inside of your eye and sure. it basically occludes it and uh, veins grow where they wouldn't or- ordinarily because there's damaged tissue and stuff. And sure. so I've got about, I've got only about. 10%, maybe something like that. Um, I can see light, and it, I think it helps me drive a little bit because I can see out the right side. It's my right eye. Oh, okay. Uh, but I lost pretty much all of the vision. And uh, But a great trade-off. Hey, terrific trade-off. I, uh, you know, uh, I've got a terrific left eye. I've got a real champ on the left side. So, <laughs> um, But I told him early, he knew my history, of course. And I said, gee, Doc, I'm having no luck at all with these round organs. What's going on here? <laughs> he, uh, oh, man. Yeah. He asked me to come up with the best joke I could about this uh, because it was a, I had plenty of time to think about it. I was quarantined for eight days. Um, I, had a, I had built a little uh, guest house type office in our backyard in, uh, in California. We lived there. And uh, and so I've spent <laughs> with that lead patch on me. I couldn't be around my my family uh, mm. because I was a radioactive man. You see, I could glare a bird's eye frozen <laughs> dinner into a hot meal. <laughs> my grandkids my, would think you were really cool. They'd think you were like like Captain Jack Sparrow or absolutely. something. You know, <laughs> so you just got to wear that eye patch, and you're good to go. <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, I could I could glare at the dog long enough it would make the butt itch. I loved that. It was not a superpower <laughs> that came in handy that often, but anyway. Uh, but I gave it some thought, the uh, uh, the joke, and I grew up in a time, and uh, you ladies are probably too young to remember, but might have heard the novelty song, uh, the one-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people meter. Yeah, meter. we're not that young, <laughs> Mac, I'm sorry to say. We're just not that <laughs> yeah, young. But- <laughs> we used to be, but... <laughs> I remember my mom singing it, right? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Well, when, I, when he told me that I was going to lose my my sight, most of my sight in my right side, um, it in my right eye, it, uh, it I was bummed. I was depressed because I'd had pretty, I'd had excellent vision, and uh, you know, you lose something like that, and it, it's like, yeah, it's it just uh, it's a gut punch, you know. I'm used to it now. It's okay. No biggie, but I was kind of emotional about it. And to tell you the truth, that that song occurred to me, <laughs> the one I anyway. Uh, you know that does so bring up him. a good point, though it really does. You know, sometimes we have these things happen to us, and yeah, it's like taking you out from the legs. You know, knocks you down flat. But the key is how long you stay down. And it sounds yeah. like you've got such a great perspective on things that, yeah, it knocked you down, too. I mean, we're human. But you were able to pull yourself back up and out of it. So what do you attribute that to? How, how is it that you're able to pull yourself up and out? That's a pretty traumatic situation you had there. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I have to uh, credit my, my dad with a lot of it, actually, my mom and my dad. But uh, my, my dad was just the funniest, most positive person. Uh, we just lost him last month, 91, lived oh, a full, wonderful life and was surrounded by loved ones when he went. And uh, uh, and it was relatively quick. It was not a long, lingering, painful thing. So we should all be blessed with such an exit, you know. 
But my dad was just, he, people were drawn to him because of his sense of humor first and his optimism and and confidence. And uh, just to give you a couple of examples, um, when, uh, oh gosh, 20 years ago or something, he had diverticulitis, had uh, surgery and had came out of it and had to have a colostomy bag for the rest of his life. Mm. And that's just, that, that's a real, you know, it's a gut punch to anybody. It's, it's awful. People, you know, go into hiding and don't do anything social. And, you know, uh, some folks, not my dad, he saw it for what it was. It was literally a second chance at life, you know. And right, I mean, right, like, right. He t- like he told me one time, yeah, I love this thing. Without it, I'd fill up like a water balloon and explode, <laughs> you know. So it, yeah. And uh, one time. I, would, I mean, he he would joke about it. He really would. And uh, one time I was back home and I was visiting, and I asked him about it. How's it treating me and you know, that thing? And he said, well, you know, son, uh, some people say that there's an odor associated with it. The way I look at it, it keeps people's mind off your bad breath. <laughs> and, of course, I laughed my head off. We see where and, you get your humor. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh <laughs> for sure. I am a comedian because of yeah. Herbert Dryden. And, yeah. Um, well, and I give my mom a lot of credit, too, because uh, she's a very funny woman and, and a great audience. Uh, my brothers and I, I have two brothers, and because of my dad um, being kind of a, a uh, amateur comedian, he kept everybody going. Uh, my youngest brother is the funniest a Presbyterian minister in the world, I would think, <laughs> and uh, and my brother that is closest to me is an attorney and and the funniest one in Mississippi. I'm, I'm firmly believe, and so you know, you think of that legacy, which I spoke about actually at his funeral, which was the funniest funeral people said that they had ever attended because we, you know, we paid tribute to our dad, who had touched the lives of probably ninety nine percent of the people in that room. Um, it, it was just fitting. We got we we laughed and told stories about that. I told that that one that I just told you. Um, and when you see just how how he turned negative into a positive, you, you see that that's just the best possible approach in life. You just it, it absolutely it, is, man. Yeah. You also know people on the other end of the scale, don't you? You ask them oh. how they're doing, and you just, oh, what was yeah. me? Yeah, right, yeah. right. And so I think the the thing that I get most out of your story so far, Mac, is again, it's a choice on how we look at things. And how we, if we pay all this attention, if we pay, uh, just just look at what we've lost, um, rather than like your your story about your eye, you know how your your left eye is strong and you can still see, and you know all of that, and your dad's story about you know he'd blow up, <laughs> you know. Um, that's the thing. If we're looking at what we've lost all the time, we tend to be down in the dumps. If we look at what we still have and minimize what we've lost and remember all the wonderful things, uh, we can we can have such a much better attitude, enjoy life better, find the humor much more easily, all of those things. 
Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. It's just, um, it, it just makes all the, even if, you know, some people think of it as kind of a, oh, a, a new agey thing, you know, that, uh, oh, you have to have a positive attitude and, uh, life will be good and all. It's, it's more than, than just, um, it, it's from an objective point of view to me anyway. It just opens doors, makes life easier. Uh, makes you able to function better if you keep that attitude. It just, it has for me. Uh, yeah, I know and it I'm, is a choice. <laughs> I'm, I, I am least, I, I just recently uh, oh, had, a, had uh, a gut punch that was not pleasant uh, in my professional life, and I won't go into details, but I was moping around the house, and my wife finally called me on it. What's going on? I don't want to get you involved in this. It's just, you know, this business thing. She said, tell me about it. And so I did. And she made me get out of it by saying, come on, you know, what? You uh, go by your own rules here, Mac. And, and I realized that I was, I was not doing it. And I snapped out of it. And I made her laugh. And that's, good. The, good, that's the start. I, in fact, I try to make my wife laugh every morning before she has coffee because I figure if I do that, uh, the rest of the day will probably fall into place pretty well. <laughs> and there is a lot of truth to that. We do yes. actually have to go out to break here in just about a minute. So let me okay. just ask you one quick question, and then we're going to keep you on the line after, you know, through the next segment too. But so you've had two types of cancer, and you know we talk about turning life's challenges into blessings. If you had one piece of advice, something you could put in a little spoonful and feed to somebody, how would you turn that negative into a positive? And I didn't warn you I was going to ask you that, so I'm not <laughs> expecting a lot. The, <laughs> talking back the negative of, of having uh, the two cancers. Yes, and how did you turn yeah. that? I mean, just quickly, how did you, one, uh, one piece I, of advice to turn something around quickly. Uh, to turn something around quickly is to just try to see, yes, the, the brightest side of this. And cancer has a bright side. I'm telling you, I got laughs all the way through. And now I tell people and I inspire other people who are going through that battle. And perfect. that's what I took out of it. That's perfect. Good. Because sometimes there are challenges and they everything can seem so dreary and gloomy. But if you look for them, sometimes you have to look pretty hard. But... You know, they're, all, they're there if you just take a look. So we are going to go out to break, and then we'll bring Mac back on for some more conversation. We'd love to encourage you to give us a call and maybe share your story of how you had a life's challenge that you turned into a blessing. We'd love to hear from you. The number is 1-866-472-5792. Again, 866-472-5792. And we'll talk to you in just a couple more minutes. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. Every day, you hear so much about different aspects of the health and wellness field. One day, you hear one thing, and the next day, you hear something that contradicts what you heard the day before. How do you know what's right? Try tuning in to The Cutting Edge of Health & Wellness today with Dr. Neil Nathan. Our goal is to educate and explore this field with guest experts in order to help you take control of your health and well-being. Listen Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. 
Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking with two-time cancer survivor and comedian Mac Dryden about turning life's challenges into blessings. Okay, Mac. So it's pretty interesting talking to you. It looks like you've had a lot of history. So let's let's go back a little further. All righty. So I want to ask you about your. I know you've been in TV and film, and you've done a lot of things. You mentioned something in in your little bio that you sent to us about Chuck Norris, and that really tickled my heart <laughs> because my mom right now is in hospice. And she was a total Chuck Norris fan. She loved him. I think she would have married him if he'd been her age and she had the opportunity. She used to watch Tech Walker, Texas Ranger, and Price is Right. Those were her two, you know, guilty pleasures, I guess. And so one day recently, I actually got on on television. I was having one of those days, you know, that we get sometimes. And I saw a marathon of that show. And I watched them, several of them. So just thinking of my mom and all of that. So when I saw on your... A bio that you actually got kicked in the backside by him. I, I, I had to hear more about that. So why don't you tell us about that? Well, <laughs> for one thing, your, your mom has very good taste because he is a pretty hunky guy. I have yeah, to he is a very hunky and, guy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, when, I was, uh, when I was a freshman in college, um, I went to University of Mississippi, Ole Miss, and uh, I got interested. I saw a karate tournament. And I got very interested because I was a very little guy growing up, and I was uh, just too small to play the major sports. Uh, football was out of the question. Basketball, kind of silly. Um, and But I was very athletic, so I played you know, flag football and all that, and I was good at all those sports, but not in a way that I could play for high school. Well, when I discovered karate, it was like, wow, this is a sport that was actually created by little people, you know, Chinese, Koreans, um, and I excelled at it, and I just got very uh, passionate about it, and I was working my way up, and I was a green belt, which is mm, about, uh, I guess, a third of the way to black, um, and so, you know, you're kind of accomplished, but not great, um, and we went to a tournament in Dallas. Uh, I had been competing in tournaments all over the South, and I won a lot of trophies. I was pretty good at competition, and I won most of my uh, b- bouts with my feet. I could 
kick a fellow in the side of the head, tapping with my foot before he could block it. You know, I was quick. And so uh, we got to Dallas, and, of course, they told us that, you know, they don't go for kicks in Texas. you got to use your kicks <laughs> to get points. And I thought, well, that's kind of silly. That's, as soon as they, you know, I stick this guy in the gut, even Stevie Wonder would appreciate the sound so much he would give me a point, you know. And um, <laughs> sure enough, I did not. Uh, I mean, I got into a match with a guy. Oh, uh, there were like 10 matches going on in this huge big gym, you know. And uh, they only the rings were only marked off with masking tape on the gym floor. They were not actually actual rings. And out of those 10, I happened to draw Chuck Norris as my uh, the referee of my bout, oh and my he gosh. was the he was the reigning champion of the United States at the time. Well, I we you know, uh, I I kicked the guy. Looked around the other two judges, nothing, no point. What's going on here? So I tried another thing, and this other guy was doing no good against me at all. I was blocking everything, and finally I got. So frustrated that I just went, okay, you want to see fists? I'll show you some fists. And I went, Wah! and I went after the guy like a wildcat. And I was hitting <laughs> here and hitting there. And um, I heard out of the corner of my frenzied ear, <laughs> I heard stop, but I just kept going. And the next thing I knew, Chuck Norris had picked me up by the scruff of my neck or my gi and was kicking me across the, the wing. And with every kick, he would emphasize. He would emphasize everything he said with a kick. When I say pow, stop, pow, I mean pow, stop. <laughs> and, and of course, wow. I, uh, I didn't. Uh, I didn't contest it. <laughs> it's a policy of mine not to pick fights with the reigning black belt champion of the yeah, that's probably so that would be wise. Yeah. <laughs> so I just kind of well, let great. it go, you know. Yeah. And, uh, but, of course, it, he was shouting, and he was the champion, and everybody in the whole place turned to see what was going on and saw this scrawny little green belt being kicked across the mat by <laughs> Chuck Norris. So uh, it was uh, not my most shining moment, I must say. Uh, but I'll bet it was one I'm of your most memorable of. ones, for sure. might yeah, not have been shining, <laughs> but you it will remember. It, just, it was worth it just for the laughs I've gotten yeah. out of that over the years. Oh yeah, I bet. I bet. Now, when you talk about memorable, memorable, however, uh, I heard that you were in an African prison. What's that about? Oh gosh, yes. I guess we have to talk about my uh, my record here, huh? Yeah. Yes, um, yes. I thought I saw you so. on a post office wall, but I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was. Uh, <laughs> Not too long after the Chuck Norris incident, when I was uh, still young and hot-headed, but uh, by this time I had actually earned a black belt, and I was I was traveling in Europe, and I I traveled over there for fifteen months. I just kind of, as a test of myself as a young man, I decided to see how long I could stay over there and make a living doing whatever I could, um, and I. You know, just soak up all these wonderful, fascinating cultures and see the world. And it was the best education I'd ever gotten. It was wonderful. I went all over Europe. I lived in a van after I, that I bought from some students who had to get back to the University of Michigan. <laughs> so they gave it to me practically for nothing. And uh, anyway, I was one way that I uh, 
found that I could make a good living and keep moving was I went down to Morocco, uh, Marrakesh, and bought these African trade beads. I don't know if you know what they are. They're very colorful, cylindrical beads made out of glass. They used them as money ages ago. Oh, boy. And, um, and so they were all the rage when I was over there among backpackers. And uh, so I went, took them, went up to Spain and bought some leather, and I would sit in campgrounds, and I would make hippie jewelry, and kids would come around and, uh, what are you doing? And they would get fascinated, and with a very positive mental attitude, I would rip them off for about a 15,000% markup. But they were happy, and I was happy. And, uh, and I actually ended up making three trips to Morocco. And since I was a Westerner and I had a little money, there was always somebody trying to get it, of course. And so I had to be very careful. And um, so one day I was going through the Souk, the Medina in uh, Fez, Morocco, and a slimy character kind of stepped out of an alley and said he had some merchandise he wanted to show me. And I said, nah, I don't think so. And I started walking, and he got in front of me, and he got very insistent and aggressive. And I ended up using all these ugly Arabic words I knew at the time. And that still didn't slow him down. And then he grabbed me, and that's when I lost it, and I made a mistake, and I pushed him down. And then he made his mistake, and he jumped up, and he charged me. And I am not proud of it, ladies, but I hit him for quite a while, actually. He was uh, very stubborn, didn't want to go to sleep. I was trying to help him drift off for a little nap, you see. And um, it got bloody and ugly, and a couple of soldiers with guns marched me off to jail. And uh, then a couple of days after that, I was taken to the National Prison in Morocco. Um, and uh, it was an ugly experience. And they My told God. me when I was in there that I had killed the man. Oh, no. So, yeah, I was I was devastated uh, and near total despair because I thought I'd, at 23 I might spend the rest of my life in an African prison. Well, here I am. I didn't, and they lied, and they were just trying to. I don't know. It was a combination of trying to mess with my head and also sure. possibly, possibly to give me something of a reputation because I was going to be a, a target in that prison. And, mm-hmm. you know, if they said, oh, this guy's a killer, you got to stay away from him. Um, but I did, I got my own reputation because I did a little show for a couple of guys uh, without them knowing that I knew they were there and did some, you know, vicious karate moves and stuff. Uh, and they went back and, of course, exaggerated the heck out of everything, told them I could fly and walk on the ceiling and all this stuff. And I had, so I had a, a good enough reputation as a an insane superman that uh, I didn't have to deal with too much ugliness when I was there. But uh, it was very character building. To uh, I bet, boy, oh boy! <laughs> how long, how long were you in there? there. <laughs> yeah, how long were you in there total? Well, because I wrote a book about it. And that's the only suspense in it. And somebody might actually read it. I can't oh. tell you how long I was there, but um, well, you can email me it, later, okay? <laughs> uh, 
So is, is that is that the book um, make uh, does this book make my uh, head look fat? Um, <laughs> so I think no. it's the fluffing the concrete one, right? Oh, yeah. okay. Why, why don't you I, uh, tell us about that book, Mac, just real quick? Because you know, again, turning well, turning something into a blessing. I mean, when you can write a book about your experience, so tell us about fluffing the concrete. What's that about? Well, the title came from after I had slept on this cold concrete for a couple of weeks, I realized that no matter how you try, you cannot fluff concrete. Yeah, that's just get any true. softer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, and the subtitle is Making the Most of Falling Prison or Anything Else. And um, and I did just by taking the, the, the lessons from it. Uh, I was in a situation that uh, literally I had to think and 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 behave uh, as if my very existence depended on it, uh, because it was a very it was a very rough place, as you can well imagine. And um, so that one thing that I just described to you, I did a, a little show for a couple of guys in a uh, place, well, it was in a restroom actually, it was a big one. Uh, but they were the only, I was the only one in there, and when I saw them in the door, I did that. Uh, that was calculated because they <clears throat> then went out and started my reputation, and I had very little trouble because of it. But it was just it was being on hyper alert all day long and and yeah. learning from everything you could possibly do because your your very survival depended on it. Absolutely. And after I got out of it, of course, and could look back, um, I just my gosh, there were just so many lessons about, I mean, for one thing, <laughs> lesson one, don't lose your head in a foreign country where yeah. they don't have the Constitution. And uh, that, uh, you know, was something that I, I have um, stood by for the rest of my life. Anytime I'm in a foreign country, boy, do I get to... Um, but it's, it was just very character-building for me. I knew, I've, I've kind of uh, learned a little bit about what I was really made of and what I could do on my own. Um, there was an even, I even found a little bit of humor in, in it, if you can believe that. Um, the funniest thing that happened at the prison, for me anyway, I found it. Uh, they would, uh, an old guard would come out to the yard every day and uh, he brought a loudspeaker with him to call out names of people who had to come in for whatever reason into the offices to be interviewed or something. And the loudspeaker was about a 19-year-old thug who would speak very loudly. So the guard would say, and the guy would go, (laughs) and it was just hilarious because then when he got to the European names and the American names and stuff, he just slaughtered them. Boy, you could hear him just struggling. You know, Mike Mac Dryden came out of my pack, Mac, the car that Dallas didn't or something. And, uh, <laughs> oh, and you're so you do voices too. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like my French that I'm trying to learn. <laughs> I'm yeah, we're going to France it. pretty soon. We're leaving the boys behind and it's gonna be a hoot. Oh um, my god. So Mac, you've got a couple of other books too. You've got one, um does this book make my head look fat? And I, I have to know about that. Would you tell us please about that one too? Sure. That uh, I have written, I don't know if you said this in my introduction or if you even knew it, but uh, I, I've been a comedy writer. I've written my own act 
forever. And for other people, I wrote on Politically Incorrect with Bill Maher. Did you know that, or did I tell you that? Anyway, um, and I've written for a couple of other TV shows, and I've written a, a humor column for a local paper here in Louisville, Kentucky, where I live. And it's just a compilation of the funniest stuff I, I thought was the funniest stuff and the stuff that people, the material that people have complimented me on and said it made them laugh. And Good. so I just put it all into this book. And uh, it was hand, you know, cherry-picked uh, because sure. I have archives of, of stuff. But uh, but that's what I've done in my life is write funny stuff. So that's what that's about. Good. And then you did one other book, The Fast Track to Professional Speaking, and that one kind of is self-explanatory, but um, tell us a little bit about that, and then we're going to give you the opportunity to tell people how to get your books and oh, before okay. we go out to the next break. So, um, so why don't you go ahead and do that? So tell us about The Fast Track to Professional Speaking and how they can get your book. There, actually, I, I wrote two e-books, Fast Track to Professional Speaking, which is exactly what it sounds like. i I just put into an ebook about oh gosh a hundred pages or so mm-hmm. uh, everything I know about how to get into the business and be successful at it. Because okay. is that on Kindle that then? So you can get that on Kindle. Uh, yes, you can. You can. Okay. It's at Amazon. Dot. I mean, it's on Amazon. Um, okay. You can go to uh, Fast Track the Professional Speaking or just. Type my name in, and you can get there. And also, okay. I've got another ebook that I uh, just fast track to being a fantastic speaker. If you don't want to be a pro, but you speak often, um, just have a you know how to um, skills for the platform that uh, everybody who speaks does any public speaking at all should do. Um, Excellent. Excellent. And, and just uh, for people who don't know, you don't have to have an official Kindle to read a Kindle book. If you have an iPad or any kind of a tablet, you can actually download the Kindle app and turn your iPad or whatever device or into a Kindle. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And that I used to think you had to have a separate Kindle, but you don't. And that was really handy because I have a book on Kindle too. So it's a really good thing to know. And I would really encourage people to take a look at that. So Mac, we want to thank you so much for being on our show with us today. Um, we have enjoyed having you on the show. And if people want to listen to this um, episode again, they can go back and listen to it in our archives once it, it'll be live in about an hour after this. Um, but, Mac, we want to thank you so much. So we are going to go out to break, and we're going to say goodbye to Mac at this point. But we really have enjoyed you again so much. So um, Thank you, Becky and Sharon. Yeah, that was a lot of you. fun. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Yep, you bet. And so we do encourage people to give us a call. If you have, we'd love to hear your um, questions and stories and all of that. Our number is 866-472-5792. And with that, we will talk to you in a minute or two. into a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. 
be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Well, welcome back. So we're talking today about turning life's challenges into blessings. And we had a guest speaker on. Hopefully you had a chance to listen to Mac Dryden. And But right now we're going to shift gears just a little bit and, and maybe talk about other ways that, that as trauma, as troubles come into our life, cancer, whatever it might be, we can actually turn those into blessings. So, Becky, what do you think about that? Well, I, you know, I think that, as we said in the opening of the show today, everybody survives something, whether it's cancer or the loss of a loved one or, you know, maybe we have a program. I, I Probably most people don't realize this, but Sharon and I have been going out to the women's prison here in Oregon for about 10 years now. And we've had a chance to meet and work with some very incredible women who have had some very difficult and horrifying things happen in their lives. And, you know, we've had a chance to meet with, I think we have about 50 women a month between minimum security and medium security. And these are women who have been through, I mean, the horrendous things. And one of the rules that we have when we go to the prison is we never ask them what they did because we're not there to judge or to you know, throw blame or any of those things. What we want to do is help these women overcome what they've done and try to find a new path. So when they get out of prison, maybe they can make some better choices, you know. And and really what we've been talking about today, turning life's challenges into blessings, is really about choice. Wouldn't you agree, Sharon? Oh, absolutely. And and again, when you're sitting in that um, environment and uh, uh really having a lot of time to think about your life and the choices we've made in the past. And again, understanding we have, we, we can't go back. We can't change any of those things. We can't change a moment of uh, maybe those poor decisions we've made in the past. And understanding that we can make choices for the future and, and turning what's happened to us into a positive, um, put a positive spin on it. I mean, how many times, Becky, have we sat there and, and heard these ladies talk about, wow, this is really the first time in my life I've actually taken time for myself 
Now mm-hmm. it's forced in this case. Yeah, yeah. It's not like <laughs> um, they have a choice in that. No. But yeah. But 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 then they're really taking advantage of the classes and the resources that the women's prison has offered them. Yeah. And, and it's great to see the growth too, isn't it? You know, oh our my pro- gosh. Our program is about five to seven months long because we only meet once a month for about an hour and fifteen minutes. But and it takes about that long to get through the workbook. But when we see uh, one of the inmates who's in there from the very beginning, where in some cases they're very bitter and angry, but by the end they're they're glowing and they're happy to see us, and you know, and then they get moved out. And you know, it's just it's so uplifting to know that we're having some kind of an impact in these women's lives. And you know, I'm really proud of the work you've done, Sharon, because Sharon actually created the workbook that we utilize. It's the self-esteem workbook. And, you know, you've put together a great program and I'm really proud of you for, for doing that. So thank you. Well, it's been very rewarding, I think for both of us. And I think, you know, we, we leave that program every month going, yeah, I, I remember why we're there. You know, I'm sometimes it's hard to take the time out of our, um, busy schedules. It's a full day. It is a full day out of every month. And, but, but, I, I don't know that we've ever walked out of that place thinking we're spending our time inappropriately. Yeah. Um, I think it's been been really outstanding. I mean, the there's stories every single time we go in there about how effective the workshop is, and and it's a, it's talking about boundaries, talking about really important issues that. Whether you're inside those walls or outside those walls, it affects us every single day. Choices, um, attitude, um, figuring out what we're going to do with our lives. Um, Those are all very normal topics that we all need to think about and, and understanding our value system and figuring out exactly what we want to do because everybody's given 24 hours a day, not a minute le- more or not a minute less. And so what we do with that time does make a difference and you the bet. attitude we take into it. You bet. And, you know, we're actually going to be doing a whole show here soon on self-esteem. I think it's coming up in a couple of weeks, but we'll be doing a whole show on that where we'll be talking about a lot of these issues that because when you go through a cancer diagnosis and, you know, we've all felt it when you when everything in your body changes and you no longer have a lot of the body parts like Mac was talking about, you know, you start to lose body parts and you don't feel like yourself anymore. So you add that into the mix where you're already, there's already so much stuff in our lives that it's confusing. Then you start adding those things in and you start to feel maybe less than whole, you know, and our self-esteem can suffer as a result. And that's never our goal. You know, (laughs) one of the things we try to do is help women feel whole and realize that you can be whole without those parts. I mean, I don't have my, my, I have a, Sharon uses what boobs in a box is what yeah. we call them. And <laughs> That's what I call I, them. Yeah, prosthetics. Uh huh. Yeah, I did that for a little while, and now I've got I've got new ones that we made out of my tummy. Hey, how cool is that, right? But they're, <laughs> yep. they're still not real, and you can't feel them, and they don't. I mean, they bounce. It's pretty cool, and it's all me, which is cool. But but they don't work the same way, and and that kind of affects you in in some way or another. So we're going to talk about yeah. yeah. Absolutely. The stars yeah. that are left behind. Yep. And again, the, the thing is that, and, and again, when you're going through a really hard time, whether it's a cancer diagnosis treatment or a divorce or whatever 
happens to be in your path. It really is about how you look at it and the choices that you make around that. So, for instance, you know, yeah, you may have... Um, had a, a, a tumultuous relationship or you may have had um, a difficult um, upbringing. But if you dwell on the negative, if you dwell on what you've lost, basically mm-hmm. you're just going to stay in that place rather than making the choices to figure out, okay, what do I have left? Um, I remember um, a volunteer that we had that taught me such a valuable lesson when she ended up having kind of a similar situation um, as what Mac was talking about, uh, she had to ha- she had an emergency colostomy bag uh, in- installed, <laughs> if you will, and um, <laughs> because of a kinked bowel, and all of a sudden she is dealing with all of the esteem issues and just just not feeling whole and all of the like like he said the smell and the all the bad things that you think about that and and it's it's embarrassing it's it's troubling and again she made the choice to continue to volunteer at breast friends and and to plug in like a, a trooper you know and and, and again, she did. She was great. I remember when she walked in that one day and she says, you guys will have to pardon the gurgling sounds. I have no control. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I mean, that was her attitude about it. She just yeah. she was pretty awesome. Yeah. And then luckily in her case, she was able to have that reversed again and everything worked well again. And and so, I mean, I remember just that whole her whole attitude through it and thinking to myself, OK, when I'm having a bad day, I think of that situation and think of, wow, I can actually walk down to the mailbox. I can, you know, I, I'm healthy. My hands work. I can see the television. I can, I can see my grandchildren. I can sit on the potty and, you know, do my business. I mean, you know, there's things that you can, you know, you have to look at <clears throat> what you still have. Right. And, and, and that's a key. That's that definitely is the key. The key in a because nutshell. if all you do is dwell on what you don't have, that's all you will see is what you don't have. And there's right. still so much. You know, when I talked about my breasts being, you know, the, my new ones, they're fake because they're from my tummy and I can't feel them, but they bounce. I have cleavage. I used to just have cleave, you know, when I had my <laughs> mastectomy. <laughs> when I had my, my lumpectomy first, I had one big one and one little one and, and I couldn't quite make it work right, right. So I just called it cleave. I didn't have cleavage. That <laughs> takes two. Um, but, you know, and, and I really, I kind of agonized over that. And I have to tell you a really funny little story one time. My husband, I was telling my, my husband that I was thinking about having breast reduction on the other side because, you know, one side was quite large and the other side where I had the lumpectomy, they took a, it was a big lumpectomy. So I had about half my breast. And I was, and I couldn't make that one bigger anymore because of and all the radiation. radiation. Don't yeah. forget that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. the radiations kind of stopped it from, I couldn't do anything to, to increase its size. So I was thinking about having a, a breast reduction and I told my husband about it and he said, why would you do that? And I said, well, because it looks hideous and I feel bad and it just isn't comfortable. And he goes, but I kind of like it. And I, I said, why do you like it? And he said, because it's kind of like being with two women. <laughs> Oh, that'd be the only time you could say that and live to talk about it. Get away. Get away with it. Well, it looks like we have a caller from New Jersey. Is that Caden? Is that how you pronounce that? It's Caden. Caden. Oh, what a beautiful name. How can we help you, (laughs) Caden? Thank you. No, um, 
I was uh, suggested to call in um, by is Becky. You there? Yeah, I'm right here, Kadeen. Hi, Becky. How are Hi. you? <laughs> I'm good, honey. How are you? Good. Good. Here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. We've only got a couple of minutes left. Can you no. tell us what's going on? Yeah, no, the last year my husband uh, went through a lot of, um, he got very ill really, like, really quick, and we went through a heck trying to figure out what was wrong with him, and, um, you know, bad surgery went wrong 13 years ago and went through some very severe surgery and found out we got, he had an infection really bad a week later after the surgery, and, um, Went downhill even worse after that mm, and couldn't wow. really walk. And he started not knowing who he was or where he was, where he was at or remembering wow. things. And then yeah, um, all of a sudden he, he found out he has very severe RSD and CRPS. Um, and it's, his family's uncles in the Tottenham worst cases in the U.S. So we're just at a point where he's, just now, we lost our home and everything, and oh, we're starting wow. to recover from, yeah, we're starting to recover, and he's trying to get his life back, but he's Good. still in a lot of pain, and yeah. not a lot of doctors recognize um, RSD and CRPS or know a lot about it, mm-hmm. but on the, on, the, on the pain scales that the, they actually recognize, it's considered one of the most painful diseases that there are. Oh, my. And, yeah, and literally... It's hard because you go to a doctor and they don't know what to do. Yeah. No so how how are you turning this into a blessing, darling? <laughs> it sounds like you've got a lot on your plate. We are finally decided to move to Arizona and get into the heat and get some vitamin oh, good. D. Good. And my husband is on his disability hearing um, so that we can get a little bit of a breather and he can help take care of the family a little oh. bit. Good. And yeah. I am, since I have my own disabilities, I am, I'm pushing myself to go out and um, get a job when we get to Arizona to help out Good. more and, and for our children, because we had a, a son six months previous before he got sick. So, oh, yeah. Our two children. So you've, two you've children got family, you've got family here on the West Coast too, right? Isn't, isn't your yeah, family over here? Yeah. So that'll get mom, you back to your family. Yeah. And That's your sister? That's reason we're going. Mm-hmm. They want yeah. To drive, yeah, exactly. They want to drive out here and go down to Arizona and see us more so I can go home Good. more to visit. So, see, there's yeah. a blessing in that people. right there. There's a blessing right there. Yeah. And, you know, I, and, Kadeen, we should, we probably, honey, we only have about 30 seconds left, so why don't we do this? Let's, let's talk offline because it sounds like you need to talk to somebody. So let's talk offline mm-hmm. and get some more conversation around this. But, um, but thank you so much for calling in. And seriously, send me an email with your phone number, and I'll give you a call, okay? I will. It's All right. You guys are doing that. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. All thank right. Well, we're going to – we have to wrap it up. So um, thanks right. for joining us today with our guest, Mac Dryden, and we hope to have you join us again next week. And until then, remember, there is always hope, and we are here to help you find it. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Sharon Hannafin and Becky Olson again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. There is always hope, and we'll help you find it. We'll talk again next time.